Hello, friends. Welcome to part two of my magnificent conversation with Ian Mills. I won't ramble on too much because it's a full continuation from part one, which you can find everywhere else you find these episodes. Um, I don't think it's fully necessary to have listened to part one if you want to check out this part, but it will give you some context as to the paths that we've jumped down and explored in this conversation. As always, so grateful for you. Thank you for tuning in. And if you feel like showing some love, please don't hesitate to give this podcast a review on Apple Podcasts or share it with some friends and family. I love you. We'll call this the second leg of the conversation. <laughs> it feels like that. We've already been at it for like an hour and 45. I know. I know. This is amazing. Um, that Bufo experience that you had, I could, I could feel myself launching off as you were describing that. Just like the, the feeling of like, I haven't done 5-MeO DMT. I've done uh, D- regular DMT a handful of times. And that feeling like literally blasting off, like in a rocket ship of like going into that space. Um, it sounds like it was a beautiful experience to kind of like the, the illusion of separation, almost just being like completely demolished and like the identification with everything with like all that is. And I'm so glad that you shared that and brought that up because I think that, that is the biggest issue at hand that we are currently facing right now as a human race is seeing some things as in their inherent worth, in their divine worth, and seeing and and then choosing to not see other things in their divine worth. And the idea that some things can have a soul, some things can be of divinity and beauty and and whatever it is whatever adjectives you have to describe divine um and then seeing other things as as not as not being divine and i think that is and when i talk about this with people they look at me with like a blank stare because they're like they're like what how can you see that but like the idea of morality and good versus evil and how evil has been a indoctrinated belief by organized religion a long time ago to create the idea that certain things are outside of source or that certain things are are separate to divinity because of the perception of evil or whatever it may be. And so what you were saying with the shadow, I mean, it's one aspect of like, you know, trees and nature and different things like that. But what you were saying with like the darkness of like 
murderers and rapists and people who commit acts of darkness and what we would perceive to be as evil and wrong. And, you know, a lot of things are like, oh, well, that person doesn't have a soul if they did that. Oh, well, that person is, is, is evil. And it creates this perception of being outside of source, but that is a piece of the divine. That is a piece of source, whether we want to accept it or not. It is, and it's very hard to look at, and it's very hard to accept because, you know, and again, for anyone listening, I'm not denying the the pain or the experience of acts such as the things that we're talking about, and there's no buts about it. When you look at things from a higher, higher dimensional perspective, it's all that it's all perspective and it's all learning through perspectives. And so for a thought experiment, let's remove the sense of, of morality in the earth plane, a higher dimensional soul could choose to incarnate in a timeline where it knows it's going to do things like that, where it knows it's going to be a perpetrator and that is also learning that is learning through an experience and that doesn't mean that this soul is inherently evil it means that it has chosen to learn through a certain perspective and if that role that it's incarnating in is a perpetrator of darkness and there are are victims to that perpetrator those acts could actually help the victim overcome and heal those things and alchemize that dark and dense energy into lighter energy, which would create more balance and would create homeostasis. So every choice that is happening has a reason. And that reason is divine consciousness learning through perspective. And that doesn't mean that we have to agree with people's choices or with, with actions that happen. We can know that that doesn't resonate with us on our authentic truth on, on the level that we want to see it, but that doesn't give us the right to deny the divinity within the being that made that choice. And it's like, if you look at the animal kingdom, it's not evil when a lion rips apart another animal. And it's, that might be a bad example, but we only see that from the human perception of that this is not okay this is bad this is this is immoral this is wrong and again it doesn't disregard the pain it doesn't disregard the challenges that it puts people through but those things happen because they are also a piece of all that is they are also a piece of the divine and 
that divine includes lower vibrations up to higher vibrations. And the lower vibrations happen to be what we have labeled as the shadow, what we have labeled as the darkness. And the universe has a shadow. The, there is a cosmic shadow. And th that is us too. That is a piece of us. And we do not have to become it. We do not have to condone those actions, but we have to know that nothing is outside of divinity. The entire universe is divine and it's all learning through choices. It's learning perspective through choices. And some souls, all souls have a shadow aspect to them. They have a shadow intertwined and that shadow comes from things like that from learning through certain perspectives and there's nothing inherently wrong with it there's nothing inherently um bad it just is it just is how the cosmic scales work and how they create light and ascension into higher vibrations and higher frequencies. And then there has to be a balance into the lower vibrations, into the shadow to create that balance. And then things work through from there. And so that's the end of that rant, I guess. But, but like, I love, <laughs> I'm super into Paul Selig and the guides mm. that come through Paul Selig say that the biggest issue at hand is the denial of divinity and that when you are denying the, di the divine inheritance within another, within your fellows, within your brother, within your sister, that means that you are denying a piece of divinity within yourself because mm -hmm. they are a reflection of you. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I feel that. And that's another really, that's another really easy kind of introduction to identifying your shadow if there is a trait in another person that you condemn or do not believe to be acceptable or okay there is a shadow aspect of yourself inside of you that also is that way that you're not accepting yeah and i i just want to put a caveat on this because this this concept is difficult to really hear and accept even for me like yeah. even for me talking about this i'm like yep Yep. But also like, mm, yeah. like, because morality does have to exist for human beings. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is inherently evil and wrong to sexually violate someone. That's not something that should ever be condoned or accepted. And it's kind of this same concept of like everything happens for a reason can be a really traumatizing statement for some, for a victim to hear after an experience like that. Yeah. I think that the power that comes from that though, is that back kind of circling back to this freedom of choice aspect, you have the choice to decide what that reason is. You have the choice to alchemize anything that's ever happened to you in your life into something else. That is kind of the alchemy from trauma to medicine. It's like what you have experienced and you have endured and grown through and gotten stronger from, you can use that to help somebody else. And also speaking of the, just speaking to the shadow, 
these parts of these parts exist within ourselves, no doubt. To deny them is to give power to them, but we don't have to act in them. And I think that's the big, like the last kind of distinguishing factor that I want to make is that just because these things exist inside of you and me and Ryan and, and anyone else listening, that doesn't mean that you have to become that thing. That doesn't mean that you have to be the person that actually like perpetrates that act. And it doesn't excuse perpetrating that act. It just means that because we are everything, we are everything. There's, I think it's a Rumi quote that I love is that we are just a drop of water in the ocean, but we are also the entire ocean in a drop of water. Yeah. Like, yeah, you are yourself. You are an individual and the choices that you make and the, the choices, the parts of yourself that you choose to embrace and strengthen, like that does make, that is a part of what makes you who you are, but also all of the other pieces are still there. Yeah. Like I'm not a Roman warrior, like a Spartan soldier in this lifetime. It's not fucking possible for me to be to, for me to be that. But like, when I think about that kind of life, it excites me. Like it fires up this old archetypical piece of my existence. That's like, yeah, I feel that I would be called to be a fucking warrior if I were in that kind of time. Like that's a piece of me and it's never going to come to fruition in this life. That's just not the way it is, but like, it's going to find its way out in some other way if I deny that. So if I take that kind of warrior energy, that warrior archetype, and I use it for something good, then it can become good. But if I'm not, I'm going to inherently be acting out in the shadow in some way. Like we have to accept and integrate all pieces of our ourselves otherwise we can't really see we're blinded to when we're acting out in them yeah 100 percent. and it goes back to what we were saying about free will like by seeing those things and understanding those things and accepting them those that doesn't mean that those things then dictate your freedom of choice because you have freedom of choice and so you choose which where you're acting you choose what you are doing and there's so much alignment about what you just brought up with Spartan warriors. I just watched 300 last night. Um, and (laughs) like when you look throughout history, there have always been battles between darkness and light. It's, it's, it's these opposing forces and without the opposition, there wouldn't be growth. There wouldn't be movement towards balance and towards perpetual homeostasis and equilibrium without two opposing positive and negative forces and negative not meaning bad or wrong like a battery i think of it like a battery mm. positive and negative they have to come together in order to work and the the resistance has to come together in order to create growth if there's no resistance then you're not learning and you're not working through these types of experiences. And I think this is a perfect place to bridge into the archetypes because I'm reading this book right now called King Warrior, Magician Lover. Have you read that? I am in the midst of reading it as well in okay. preparation for this this new creation, this new Hell project, yeah. but yeah. So 
it's so cool. Um, and the way that they're describing it and because they're breaking it down one, I'd never heard the boy psychology terms compared to man psychology and how there's mm. archetypes within the boy psyche. And then within the man psyche, as you, as you get older and become a man, but within each archetype, there's a polarization, there's a shadow side and a light side. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you see things play out as to what we are describing with forces of darkness and forces of light. And when you, one, when you're not understanding or ignore these types of things, then they can control your behavior and your action. And some beings just incarnate into roles where they perpetuate certain things. But like there's a dark side and a light side to every single archetype. And so it's like with the king, there's the polarization of like the tyrant and the weakling. And then complete at the top, at the top of the pyramid is the king in its fullness. And it's working through yeah. Yeah. I think I'm getting that right. And I'm still learning this as I'm, as I, as I'm speaking about this, but so there's always the combination of the polarity within each archetype. And so you'll see the shadow King, the, the Kings that, that conquer and, and pillage and, and, and rape, unfortunately, and, and do everything they can to create the sense of, uh, separation between themselves and others because they see themselves as above and so they rule in the darkness in the shadow versus kings who are embodying the light side where they are ruling through compassion and understanding and and seeing all humans as equal and as different roles and so these archetypes and it's the same with the warrior as well and and mm. the lover and the magician and so yeah it's just like these the shadow side and the light side always exist they're always there and in order to integrate all of them in, to integrate everything we have to be aware of them and you know i think that's a, a carl jung quote which i'll probably butcher but it's like until you make the unconscious conscious, it will run your life and you will call it fate. Mm. And I love that. And he says he has other ones about bringing the shadows into the, or bringing the dark, making the darkness conscious and things like that. And so it's like, it's about seeing that and recognizing what we were just talking about of like, that is me too, but that doesn't dictate who I am right now. That doesn't dictate my freedom of choice or my ability to choose my action. Right. But yeah, if we know that that is a choice that we might make, because that's a part of our psyche and a part of ourself at the ba most basic level, that's the only way we can really choose to not act in it. Yeah. And I love how this just keeps coming full circle again and again, but, and, and even within those archetypes, like when we think of the great Kings, um, like the other, I was listening to, um, Aubrey's new podcast with Steven Pressfield the other day, like fucking brilliant, highly recommend it. But they're telling this story of Alexander the Great, who 
was like conquering civilizations and waging war and, you know, personally responsible for killing many, many men, but is regarded as one of the most um, like prolific examples of leadership, like has gone down in history as one of the greatest leaders that ever existed up until the end where he kind of lost his marbles. I don't know that much about him, but one of the stories they share is him and his um him and his army are they're wandering through Egypt. I think they're in a desert. They're in yeah. like a vast, vast desert. Nobody's drank water for days. Like they're all dehydrated. Men are dying. And um from over the hill, these two scouts come back and they were able to find this like slow, slow trickling stream of water. And they were able to collect enough water from that stream to bring back a helmet full for Alexander the Great. And when they hand him the bucket of water, all the men are around him just like watching, waiting. And without saying a word, he takes the helmet and he dumps all of the water onto the ground. Like without speaking, showing those men I will not ask anything of you that I would not do myself. I may be like your leader. I may be your king, emperor, what I don't know what he fucking called himself, but he's leading from the ground. He's not leading from a throne. He's not leading above anyone else. He's right down there in the shit with everyone else. And that's the kind of like polarity that exists within these archetypes because he was a fantastic leader to his men but also he was like overtaking civilizations and killing people so that both aspects of him existed simultaneously he was a good man a fearless leader a fucking fierce warrior but then we think of it if we think of it from a moral standpoint he was also like a ruthless fucking conqueror so it's really fascinating these archetypes because they don't really abide to good and evil. They don't. And that's why I love thinking about it as the shadow and the light. And we attach like moral implications to those words. And I, it's not like I'm ever arguing for the fact that like, we, I don't think anyone should be living in their shadow. I think we should be facing our shadow, but Mm -hmm. that means facing the shadow, not denying the shadow. It doesn't mean that we just deny that it exists. It means that we have to actually look at that part of ourselves in order to choose a different way, in order to alchemize that into something beautiful. And if you ask any, I mean, maybe not therapist, but if you ask any like unconventional healer, they're healing things in people that they had to heal inside of themselves first. Like, all of the work that I do as a coach is like mostly with men and mostly around relationships, mostly around intimacy, mostly around like personal fulfillment and embodiment, because those are all the things that I struggled with so badly in the beginning of my life. And those are the things that I can now offer the most insight and the most knowledge and the most like, Hey, I actually know this worked because I did it for myself. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll give Godzi a shout out right here because this is probably the most 
the, the quote that I'm about to say is the quote that I've heard him say the most times, hands down. Is but it goddamn? No, <laughs> that, also that. But uh, it's another Jung quote, of course. Um, but it's in order for a tree's branches to grow to heaven, its roots also much re- must reach to hell. Mm. And it is exactly that. It's balance. It's equilibrium. It's understanding the shadow to do exactly what you said, to see these different parts within the collective, within the individual and say, oh, I've, I've worked with that myself. I've seen that myself. And let me try and provide a, a seed or healing practice that can help mm-hmm. someone else work through that too and let them see that the shadow is not who you are. You are much more than the shadow because that's polarization. That's moving to one side of the spectrum and saying, Oh, well, that's me. It's either this or that, but it's both. It's, it's all it's, it's both ends of the spectrum and it's your awareness of both ends that creates free will and it creates mm. voice. And that, that, that feels like it was worth repeating. It is both ends of the spectrum and it is because you have the shadow and the light within you that you have the power of free choice boom (laughs) fuck yeah um that's beautiful thanks man i so i have this book i haven't really read through much of it so far but it's called a little book on the human shadow and it's by robert bly but um i'm trying to find this place if if i can't find it he i'll just describe it but he basically describes the shadow that as you're growing up that you have a bag that you're dragging behind you and that as you're getting older, you're putting everything that you don't want to accept in this bag and it's a black bag. And as you put more in this bag, then the bag gets bigger and it gets heavier and you're dragging this bag behind you. And so until you look in that bag and see what you've put in there, see that you've put uh, all of the judgment and all of the shame and all of the uh, thoughts that randomly popped into your mind when you were six that you deemed, oh, that's bad, that's wrong, that's evil. I, I, I shouldn't even be thinking about that. That's going in the bag on my back and, and it's adding to the weight. Until you look at that and you, you make the bag lighter, then that bag is going to get heavier and heavier and heavier. And as you get older, that bag is waiting for moments to lash out. It's waiting for moments mm. to, to open itself up, to let go of some of the weight. And that shadow, when it's there, when it's unconscious, it is trying to manifest itself. It's trying to to make itself known, to make itself seen. So at any moment, it could lash out. It could, it could explode in anger. It could explode in violence, explode in aggression. And that is what we have seen embodied and manifest in the collective so far. And, you know, the, the whole idea of, of uh, patriarchy and in the collective and in society, it's, you know, and, and as, as we rightfully see uh, and are entitled to, 
the divine and light aspects of masculinity is is starting to rise up as well as the divine feminine but so far we have seen a manifestation of that shadow of that that collective bag that is being that has been dragged behind us as a society for thousands upon thousands of years and we've never taken the chance to empty it to look at it to to accept it to see it and that is what we're going through right now that is what this transformation and this awakening and this shift of consciousness is is that first we have to become aware of that bag we have to open that bag and look at all the shit that we've put in there look at all of the systems that have been created to perpetuate uh racism uh to perpetuate uh misogynistic and 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 i can't think of the the words not coming to my mind right now but you understand what i'm saying mm -hmm. and we have to we have to be aware of the darkness and of the shadow in order to then alchemize that into light and so we're feeling all of it in our individual selves we're feeling that you know coronavirus put us in these this quarantine and then the huge mirror went up and it was like who are we as a collective what is our identity and who are we as individuals and we're going through this reckoning right now and so the more we resist it the more we say oh no 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 that's that's them that's not me like that's, mm. that's no uh-uh not me yep. like you're you're pushing the healing further away and you're putting that wall up and again there's, there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing bad it's that's part of the journey too and learning to accept that but the more we can sit with it the more we can accept it and see it and feel it and let the alchemization of that energy move through us the closer we're getting to understanding the full scope of the spectrum and the closer we're getting to free will and the closer we're getting to unity and unity is what we all want right that's what we're all mm -hmm. fighting for right now is unity yeah absolutely and we but like the collective idea of unity at the moment is essentially like either we're going to force you to believe the same thing that we believe or we just we don't want anything to do with you yeah it's like tribal unity rather than collective unity and it it's like the the entire earth right now what it feels like is it's it's in its dark night of the soul and if you haven't heard that term before essentially like after any kind of um awakening there is this period where everything feels fucking bleak again where you know what is true you know that unity is the solution but then you realize well like look at all the ways that we're, we're not unified Look yeah. at all the dark shit that exists on the personal level. It's like identifying who it is you truly want to be and know that you can become and then realizing how much fucking work that you have to do to get there. Like realizing that you're up, that you want to be up here and you're actually down here. And it's like, how the fuck do I bridge that gap? Yeah. And I feel like I have like dark minutes of the soul really every day. <laughs> like it's not even like a dark night. I feel like every day I'm like, fuck what a, what's going on here i thought that i worked through this like i'll like just an example the like i'm in this new relationship with autumn and it's 
it's beautiful. It feels like foreign to me to, and I'll, I'll give the example first, essentially like we, you know, we drop in on voice memos most days. She's, she travels full time for work. So she's in, um, she's in Colorado right now, I think, but um, it's a really beautiful relationship. And I feel for the first time, like I really am able to fully open up, like fully let, like bring all of my shadows out into the open, like, and be able to communicate really authentically exactly what I'm going through and have it like honored and loved and accepted. And the other day, um, you know, it's been like a week and a half or two weeks since I got home and I, and it felt really, it felt fine up until this point. Um, I haven't really like missed her or like yearned to be with her. Like I love her and I want to see her, but it's been, I'm like really focused on my own work, on my own projects, really leaning into my new, my new place and just my new life here. But I had this first day where I was like, oh, I really miss Autumn. And immediately, almost when I had that thought, I like was this close to re-downloading Tinder on my phone because I wanted to find someone to like temporarily give me some company and validation. And it was, it, and it was, I was like watching myself do it. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, haven't I worked through this shit already? Like, haven't I been here before and done this? But it's like that. It's like a tiny little micro dark night of the soul where like, I know what I want. I know where I'm going, but there's this like shadow piece of me that is trying to come through. Mm -hmm. And I think it's in the moments where we're on the path to that higher self where the shadow can creep in because then like, if I start to identify just as this person in like the committed partnership, whatever, then the shadow aspect of Ian that like just wants to sleep around and get validation from anyone that he can, can like kind of creep in without me noticing. And, but the real, and it was beautiful because I told her that on the phone that night, I was like, yeah, I missed you today. And um, I almost downloaded Tinder because I wanted, like, I need, I need something. Like I'm not, I'm not giving myself something. I'm looking for it from somewhere else. And the response was like actually her feeling more safe and secure in the relationship. She was just like, I'm so fucking grateful that you told me that that's where you're at yeah. and that you didn't hide it and that you just authentically brought your shadow to the light because that's how it felt better. If I had just kept that buried inside, I think I would have eventually downloaded it and like actually followed through with what my intention was. But because I could bring it up, and have it met with love and acceptance, it just kind of like dissipated again. And that's the power I think of shadow work is when we actually choose to look at the shadow and see it and see that it is a part of us and it wants to come out, we take away its power. Cause it's like, no, I see you motherfucker. You can't, you can't take the wheel. No, yeah. like I love you. I understand why you're doing this. I know that this is a coping mechanism. I know that you're trying to feel better, but no, I'm, that's the power of free choice. Like, no, I'm choosing not to act in the shadow, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. Cause that's, 
going to help a lot of people and that, yeah, just thank you. I'm, I'm grateful that you just shared that. Um, two things that come up for me around that. I love what you said about I'm looking for something for something or needing something in someone else that I'm not giving myself. And mm. I think that is so huge. Um, this book that I read called uh, A Mind at Home with Itself by Byron Katie. It's all based around the Diamond Sutra, and which is like a Buddhist text. And she breaks down all these different parts and how it can relate to this thing that she calls like the work. And the main aspect that I took away from the work, and she has like uh, worksheets on her website that you can do. And it's like this whole process of basically analyzing thoughts and experiences and understanding them. But the main thing that I took away was like one of the, one of the steps of it is flipping it. And like, so if you're saying like, oh, well, this person didn't do this for me, they should have, or I'm looking for this in this other person, flipping that and say like, well, what am I looking for that I want myself to give myself? Mm. And that is so huge because it it's empowering. It gives you the power back. And that doesn't mean that even after you do give yourself that, that you still can't want something from another person. You still can't desire something from another person, but you're not being controlled by that, or you're not basing your worth on receiving that validation from the other side. And so, yeah, I think that's huge. We'll, I'll, I'll, we'll make sure to link and uh, write that book uh, out in the show description too. But um, how, how you just shared that, and how you talked about when you shared it with Autumn and the vulnerable aspect of it. What do you think it is about vulnerability and how important of a piece of healing and being seen and safe is and why being transparent and vulnerable like that in a relationship is the, the doorway into healing and creating awareness into creating uh, understanding around that sense of self. Yeah, I love that question. Um, well, first of all, we only actually exist as ourselves in this present moment. And that's all I really think vulnerability is, is authentically speaking your truth exactly where you are at, regardless of like the consequences for doing so. And for me, it's always been really easy to be vulnerable, like talking about my past. Like I can tell the story of how I came to be where I am really easily. But the roadblock that I faced with vulnerability was being able to communicate exactly that, like what's coming up for me right now. And um, I think that the biggest part, the biggest like, piece um, of ourselves that vulnerability can just destroy is shame. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Brene Brown or her work, but something she writes about, and she's definitely more in like the intellectual realm of shame. And I think it exists in the body as well. But something she talks about is that shame only exists in the shadow. It only exists when it's a secret, when it's like our dirt, little secret it's the thing that we think makes us a bad person and i felt that on the micro level 
um, that day before I spoke to Autumn, when I had that urge, I felt the shame that I associate with it because I've done that in the past. I've been unfaithful to actually almost every partner I've ever had. And I've admitted it sometimes and I've hidden it others. Um, but I've always had that urge, but I've never spoke like in the moment when it came up, I would never speak to my partner about it. I would never tell my partner like, Hey, I'm having this desire to seek validation from someone else because I'm like not getting something from this or I'm not getting it from myself. I would just do the thing. And that would create shame in me because I've done something that I told myself I wouldn't do. And I kept it a secret. So it almost, it, it makes the transition from guilt, which is like, I did something bad to shame, which is I am bad. It's the power of that. I am like shame is identifying with the thing that you did. And so I think the power of vulnerability within relationship is for one, that's the only way to actually authentically connect is to share where you're at as it comes up. It doesn't mean unloading all your bullshit and trauma on your partner. Um, I have, uh, I have men's groups and friends and other things for that kind of support. Um, but it just means like being authentic with where you're at and the power of vulnerability in that moment was that in the past, when I don't speak what the truth is, when I don't speak my, like what my shadow is and what it wants, I end up acting in the shadow because I'm denying it the light. But when I shine light on that shadow, and in this case, the light was me just admitting it to autumn, it dissipates and it loses its power over me. So, and, and human beings like the, I, I can't quote the study exactly, but this is, I think this is becoming more and more well known in the health world. A person who, um, a person who experiences loneliness is more likely to die early than someone who speak who smokes a pack of cigarettes every day. Like we're we've evolved to be connected. We've literally evolved to survive in community and to need like if you if a baby is neglected when it's young, it'll literally die. Whether or not it's getting milk and food and like light, if it's not given human contact and presence, it will literally die. That's how important connection is to our survival and to our mental health and our well-being. And, and connection is not the amount of people that we experience life with. It's the degree to which that person knows us. So our connections are not just on, are not just based on like the quantity. It's really the quality that's more important. So in that moment, in my relationship with Autumn, I had the very clear choice of, okay, I can either deny this thing, deny that it exists inside of me, in which case I know from experience, it will control me. I will act out in the shadow if I don't share it. Or I can make the choice to do the difficult thing, the vulnerable thing, which is to actually say where I'm at and shine a light on the shadow. And that's, and that's when it disappears. It doesn't disappear. It's still inside of me, but it prevented me from living in it.
And so that vulnerability, that authenticity, like, I think anyone that's been in a romantic relationship can relate to this. The relationship doesn't like, it starts to fall apart when you stop speaking your truth to that person. And it just kind of tends to show up in this, um, like coldness. Yeah. Like you don't feel the same connection to them as you used to. And it's because in the beginning stages, it's really easy because you just feel good. You've got that new love that new love to take all of that energy and validation from, and it just fucking fills up your cup and it's great. And you don't have to speak about your shadow because it's not trying to come through because you're so hyper-focused on the beautiful part of the relationship and on the light. But what happens when things start to settle down and it becomes more normal when you get accustomed to the state of being in love and being in the relationship? Again, that is that point where the shadow can start to creep in without you recognizing it. And the antidote to that is to continue to be vulnerable, even when it's not pretty, even when the even when what you're experiencing is not an easy thing, Um, like showing up exactly as you are in your authentic self without fear of the consequences and doing the difficult work. Yeah, that's I don't know if I answered your question or not. No, you did. You definitely did. You answered it tenfold. Uh, I think that's huge um and why relationships are one so challenging and they bring so many challenges but two when you're showing up in a conscious awareness of these types of things then it can really be um something that like puts growth in in almost like hyperspeed and it, mm-hmm. it really pulls out those shadows because you're getting the mirror of the other person and it's especially so important and beneficial when someone shows up in a compassionate point of view and in a uh creating a safe space and seeing you in your light and in uh, seeing the shadow aspect but understanding that that's not what makes you who you are and so when someone doesn't react in a you know in their shadow to you speaking about that. And they say what Autumn said, thank you. You know, I, I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you um, sharing that with me. Then you're getting the perception of yourself as like, a, oh, like that doesn't make me a bad person mm. for doing that. And this brings up for me, uh, in the movie cloud uh cloud atlas uh there's this quote and it's like um to be is to be perceived and to be perceived is only possible through the eyes of the other and so to what you were saying about interaction from being a baby too you literally know yourself by the interaction that you're having with other people and so that's why when parents sh- and people as you're growing up show up in a way where they're removing their love from from you or giving you uh, fear and giving you judgment and shame, you're saying, you're tacking on these ideas of like, oh, that's that's who I am. That's who I really am. And so being able to create 
and show up in that space of like, I see you. Thank you. I'm grateful for you sharing that. And you're not a bad person. I still love you no matter what. And this is the part though, where it gets blurry because to what we were saying earlier, if someone decides to share something with you and it's out of their shadow or, you know, you're, you're basically confronting that within someone else that might not, it might not be in the truth of who you are to continue that relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to understand yourself on an internal level, because if someone abuses you physically or abuses someone else and then shares that experience with you, you can show up for them in a compassionate way still, but that does not mean that you have to agree to their choices. You can still understand that love is unconditional. It is, but relationships are not. And you can mm. still, I saw Godzi and shout out to Godzi again. He posted that quote on, on Instagram and it was love is unconditional relationships are not. And I you love that you yeah. can see someone in their light, in their darkness and see their glory and their beauty and love them and feel compassion towards them and accept them as the divine human being that they are. But that does not mean that you have to agree with them. That does not mean that you have to continue a relationship with them. If you feel that that is not serving you as in your authentic truth and you can forgive them. You can immediately forgive them, but you don't have to take the polarization of like, oh, well, that means that I have to stay with this person or I have to, you know, do this and, and whatever it is. You can still use your free will there and hold space for all of these things and remove yourself from a situation if you feel like it is no longer serving you to your highest good. Yeah, man, that's fucking beautiful. Um, I love that quote so much. Love is unconditional, but relationships are not. Yeah. I feel, I feel like Godzi is slowly becoming to me what young is to Godzi. And I'm yeah. just like fucking constantly bringing him up. But yeah, that's, I love that distinction. I think, and I think that is why the, the line between like love and hate can feel so blurred. Because yeah. I think everyone can relate to the feeling of like, you've been betrayed by someone you love, but you can't just stop loving them. Yeah. You don't stop loving someone because they did something that is out of alignment with yourself. But when you try to, I feel like that's where it morphs into hate. And really all that is, is like, you're still giving them so much of your power and yeah. so much of your energy. When you choose to hate someone, they don't fucking feel it. Like, yeah, you could, you could call them and you could yell at them and like physically tell them that you hate them, quote unquote. But you're the one that's living with that feeling inside of you because it's just like this, it's the shadow reflection of love. I mean, that's all it is. Like you're still, it's unconditional. So you're going to feel it no matter what. But when you kind of like allow your psyche to take control of it and be like, well, that person did me wrong. So I can't love them anymore. I can't deny yourself that love. 
it morphs into the shadow, which is hate. You still have to feel something for them unconditionally, no doubt. Like every person I've ever loved in my life, I still love them, even the ones that have done something to wrong me. And there were times where that morphed into that kind of hate because I couldn't stop feeling something, but I was creating the story for myself that it was no longer love because I couldn't accept that someone that loved me or that I love would also do something to hurt me so badly. And that kind of, that kind of feels like it ties into the complex trauma thing that we were talking about. And I'm not qualified necessarily to speak about that, but um, I think that's why this idea of reparenting is so essential because, and this was again, to, to mention Godzi on my call with him, um, he brought to awareness something that I've been deep at work on for the last, I mean, two or three months now. And it's this wound around my father because, you know, we're, when we're children, our parents literally become gods to us. Our entire existence is ruled by them. They decide what we're allowed to do and what we're not. They're the ones that give us love when we do something good and rescind their love when we do something bad. And the basis of who we are is built around that. And what he told me was that essentially the construct of who my father believes me to be has to die in order for me to actually become the, to, to go from the acorn into the oak tree. But as long as I'm living under that kind of, under the, the shadow or under the kind of veil of who I think I'm supposed to be because my father told me that's who I'm supposed to be. I'll never actually become who I am because I'm running every decision I make through that lens of, wait, is this right or wrong? And until we break out of that kind of conditioning and until we become the parent that we needed when we were young to tell us like, no matter what you do, you are worthy of love. Like you said, we're not, we're not learning anything. We're not practice. We're not, we're not undergoing any of this self work or, or developing these practices to, to acquire enoughness. We're doing them to remember that we are enough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with the father wound, cause that's, that's been a main part of my work as well. And my, my dad was never, you know, negative towards me or gave me, I mean, subconsciously, he gave me certain perceptions of myself that I had to work through, but he never directly, you know, was like, this is you, you're, you're this type of person, that, that thing. And I think that, again, this is so hard to, to see, but like not taking things personally, even when it is your parent, because, mm. because, you are a reflection of them. You are a reflection of their projection of a piece of themselves that they have not dealt with, that they have not healed. And so they are looking at a reflection of themselves. And that is how they feel about themselves. And those are, that's the tools that they have to work with. They're, they weren't they weren't taught these things. They didn't, they didn't understand these types of healing things. And so 
to, to really move from a place of like, Oh, like he was acting out of the love and unworthiness that he didn't feel towards himself. Not me, not me. It was all about him. And being able to take that and accept it and forgive it and release it because what you were saying with that shadow side of love, the hate, which includes resentment and anger, that energy eats away inside of you. And the other person is not feeling that. You are doing that to yourself when you're holding on to that. And so forgiveness is never for the other person. It can be, it can be for sure. And it can lead to that through the different steps of forgiveness that you take. But forgiveness is always first for the person who is doing the forgiving in order to release that energy and in order to let that go because you are choosing to hold on to that. You are choosing to allow the external circumstance dictate your free will and perpetuate that story. And so once you can see that you also have the power of choice to release it and to let that go and to see them in their worth and to see them in their enoughness, then that's, that's healing. That's moving through. That's, that's finding the light in the wound. And to bring up Rumi, uh, the wound is the place where the light enters you. One of my favorite quotes ever, because mm. it is there. It is the darkness, the wound that is created is the doorway to the light. The light is sitting mm. there waiting for you to look into that darkness, to peel through that shadow, to peel through that darkness, because that light is just waiting to burst through. And it's waiting to literally take over every cell of your body to permeate through your entire being and shine all over you. But it won't and it can't do that until the wound is looked at and until the wound is healed. Do you feel like you had like a macro incident in your life that kind of shifted your perspective from thinking of these things like from that shadow perspective where this is happening to me um cut really like from that stage of resentment to forgiveness for like for all things for all people for all incidents about yourself and about others was there something that like woke that up in you in a macro way or do you feel like it's been more of like a slow ride to getting to that point well, so I think it's a combination, obviously, of a lot of choices that led up to certain points. But what really did it for me was a combination of a few things. And one, it was uh, my current partner, my girlfriend, Tia. We were living in the same house and working at the same company and living in the house together. And it was our first year of being together. And so we were just like thrown into this situation and we were neither of us were on this path of uh, spirituality and healing yet. And so she ended up 
leaving the company to go to another company. And as she was leaving, she was moving out of the house. And throughout this process, it brought up things within our relationship that we were seeing like, okay, there's, there, there's the opposing forces of magnets here. Like we're kind of running into walls. So we need to make some sort of change. And so we decided to, to essentially break up for this period of time. And it was always in our mind that, you know, it wasn't completely over, but that we were working through things, but we were separated in a sense. And so she moved out of the house, moved into uh, an apartment and left this job. I don't know if she fully left the job yet, but we basically were in different spaces and we were talking still, we were still working through things. We were being very open, not as open as we are now with each other, but we were starting to go through that doorway of being vulnerable and really transparent. And as we were separated, uh, it was actually two years ago, right around this time, right during this period. Um, I, it was at the beginning of October and October is a, used to be a very heavy month for me. Uh, October 24th is my dad's birthday. And my dad, for anyone who's listening, passed away when I was 10 years old. And October 24th is also the date that my grandma passed away. Um, And then October 28th is the anniversary of my dad's death. And so it's all kind of bunched into this, this week. And Two years ago, on the night of October 28th, I went to a Halloween party and I did my, my shadow came out. I got really, really drunk. And my thing was like, I would black out. Like I would wake up the next morning and just be like, what the fuck did I do? Like where that feeling of coming to waking up of like, where am I is so fucking scary. And that happened uh, at that party. And luckily my friend was there. He got me in an Uber, got me home. I woke up in my bed and I was safe, but I had called my mom like 10 times at three in the morning. And so I woke up to her frantically um, calling me, leaving me Facebook messages. What is going on? Uh, And I, she, I had done this to her before. Like there was a, there was an experience that I had in Colorado where because I, I was addicted to Xanax for a little while and I drank and took Xanax and blacked out and woke up in detox. Couldn't contact her until three in the afternoon and she couldn't get a hold of me. So she ended up reporting me missing. And we went through this whole thing where then I got in contact with her. And so basically waking up in that moment after that party brought that memory up of like full shadow awareness, like, damn, I've done this to her before. And mm. And everything else from my shadow came up. It was like, I, how have I not hurt somebody else physically in these states? How have I not really hurt myself? How have I not gone to jail? How different just from blacking out, from taking Xanax, different things like that. And in that moment, it was like, I told myself, like, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never, I'm never going to perpetuate that side of of drinking and the Xanax I had already gotten rid of that habit. So that wasn't a thing, but the drinking, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm making a promise to myself that this is never happening again. And I haven't done it since then. I mentioned that time where, uh, it kind of came up, um, 
but it wasn't to the extent that it had been like that before. But so in that moment, I was like, damn, like I'm, I'm never doing this again. And as I was, that was still in the period of breaking, of being in a breakup. And during this time I had found Aubrey's podcast and Aubrey Marcus's podcast. And so I was finally getting to the point of like, like it felt the way I describe it is that I was in an ocean with turbulent waves and I was hitting up against a cliff and Aubrey's podcast was like the rope that came down and like literally helped me pull, like helped me climb up this cliff wall out of these turbulent waters. And so I was starting to see the possibilities of like, damn, this is a whole space that is possible that people work on themselves, that they're aware of this stuff. And so I was really listening to that podcast. And then a week or two later, uh, Tia's birthday is on November 12th. We uh, hung out for the first time since the breakup. And we went on, we went on a date that uh, it was tickets that I had already bought for her birthday and, and things like that. And so that night we decided that we want to be together and that we would come back together in a relationship. But we made the promise to each other that the relationship came second and our individual selves came first. And so that was the other kick through, through the doorway of like, I need, I, I need to work on myself. I want to work on myself. And then, uh, and we had been listening to Aubrey and Whitney talk about being in an open relationship and all of that stuff. And so Tia and I actually decided that we would try open relationship. Um, and we did that for like six months. We're not in one anymore, but the first night that we were back together in an open relationship, we had a conversation where she was talking about how she was attracted to this other guy and full shadow just burst out of me. And I started having a panic attack, started like, like, like hyperventilating and, all this stuff within my shadow came up around fear around other things in my life. And at that moment I was like, I'm going to start journaling and I'm going to start meditating and I'm going to start going to therapy. And so that was the final kind of like kick through of like, these are the tools that you have. These are available. All you need to do is start using them. And then at the start of that next year is when I first went to therapy, went a few times and then, pulled out and started doing like float tanks and uh, meditation and, and working with psychedelics in, in ceremonial aspect. But yeah, so that was kind of like the window of like the catalyst that really like kicked me into, into this path that I'm on. Yeah. It's like the knowing that something needs to change. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck needs to change exactly, but I know something does. So yeah. So you start leaning on the tools and the resources that you have. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Again, I feel a lot of parallels between that and my own story, (laughs) but I don't need to get into that right now. Yeah, man. It's, it's really incredible. Like for me thinking about the person that I was um, even a year ago. Yeah. Because really, it's been it's been this last year for me that I've been on a similar trajectory. Um, coming back to Oregon was when I discovered Aubrey's podcast, 
And similarly, that was the first time where I was like, I don't know, like I had a really, I had like a, like a male role model to look up to. And I'd never had that before, not in my father, not in my brothers, not in my friends. I'd never felt like I had something that I wanted to become like, like that I admired enough to really work towards. And it hasn't been like working towards that him, but it's just been like a North star of what I'm allowed to be. Yeah. Like I'm allowed to be vulnerable. I'm allowed to be authentic. I'm allowed to have emotions and cry. I'm allowed to speak the truth, but I can also be masculine. I can also be man. I can also, I can have all, I, I can be that too. And it's, but that's the, the crazy fucking part. Like I think about Ian a year ago and I feel like me a year ago could not possibly conceptualize how I feel right now. Like it, it wouldn't have even been fucking possible to realize like where I would be and what I would be working on and the kind of people I'd be interacting with. And like having this conversation with you on this podcast, even, and this, this project that we're going to start working on together and like all of these pieces of life that are the best parts of my life. But I like, where the fuck did they come from? (laughs) And I'll tell y'all where they came from. They came from being willing to do the stuff that was hard and uncomfortable. Like that's all it was. That was the secret. That was the trick. And God's, he's taught me that again as well. He's like, if you do the uncomfortable thing that you know, you know, is calling you up to a higher place, whatever happens is the best possible result. And sometimes the instant result is like pain. Yeah. Sometimes it's joy, but it's always the best thing beautiful i completely agree and hey these these things that are happening now and that have happened before they were designed they were set up Mm -hmm. they were create they were set on a soul level of these are these experiences that i'm going to have in this lifetime in order to achieve this growth and achieve this highest self and the light has birthed itself from the darkness Mm. how it goes the shadow births the light the silence births the sound and you're playing a beautiful symphony and orchestra that is your life and you're resonating in harmony with yourself and with your highest self and you will continue to resonate and sing that song and play that key that that lifts you up to that highest perspective And I completely cherish our relationship. And I'm so grateful that our paths have crossed. And I'm so goddamn excited for the future and what we can create together. I'm so, so excited. Likewise, brother. Like, um, it's all becoming clear, it feels like. And uh, it's it's going to be big. I've got no doubt about it. Um, This is by far the longest podcast I've been a part of so far. We're at about 
three hours now. <laughs> Hell yeah! Well, that's perfect. We'll 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 slice it and dice it up into two different mm -hmm. parts, if we want, or we'll just put out a fucking full one. Uh, yeah. Doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, dude, same. It's it's been so much fun having this conversation, and it feels like it just worked out so perfectly to come to this full circle to this kind of ending point. And yeah, I'm so excited for people to hear this because this is, this is an important conversation. It's very, very important. And I can't wait to have another one with you. I agree, brother. I feel the same way. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll send this over to you and we can decide how we want to release it. Um, but honestly, I don't fucking care because this just the conversation <laughs> that we had, like, I 100% agree. It feels important. And uh, I'm excited to, I'm excited to listen to it again. I'm excited for other people to listen to it. And yeah, let's do it again soon. And let's talk soon about all of the other things as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I figured since we're kind of branching off onto this, we could probably yeah. cut the recording maybe like two minutes back or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's plan on like um, whenever you're catching up with Autumn or the other people who are a part of that project, mm -hmm. just let me know. Like I'm flexible with my schedule. And so like I can figure out when to hop on, when to catch up about it. But like if we want to set a day next week, like I'm down to just like get going on all of it for sure. Yeah, so Autumn and I, sometime this week, we're actually meeting with Claire um and oh, she's okay. just gonna tell us like exactly what we need to do logistically to make this legit and to like make it um to make it work from like a functional standpoint oh yeah um and then next week um how about we just plan for um i'm meeting with Faye and cody on wednesday so do you want to just plan for next wednesday uh yeah i just scheduled something for wednesday so let me see what time okay that is open at. um so i have something uh at 4 p.m my time next wednesday so what time is it for you right now it is six o'clock okay so we're three hours so you have something at one o'clock my time so i can do before or after i'll be able to make whatever work Cool. I will check in with everyone else and I'll see if we can just all get on board together. I just talked to Caitlin Rose today as well. Um, and I think she's also going to be a part of this. Hell yeah. So it's you, me, Caitlin Rose, Autumn, Amanda, and then Faye and Cody. Okay. Hell so yeah. Seven. Seven feels like a good number. <laughs> nice. I like the number seven. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right, brother. Well, yeah, again, this has been fucking phenomenal. I'm yeah. so excited we got to do this. I um, mean, too. It was so funny. Um, all of the conversation points that I had written down all got hit on. All got <laughs> in literal, like, perfect flow. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. Subconsciously steering. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. incredible, man. <laughs>